Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 142, and we have been on a big string of Iowa boys basketball coaches, but hey, there's a lot of great coaches in the Hawkeye State, and we have another one on this week in Aaron Thomas, the head boys basketball coach at Applington Parkersburg High School in northeastern Iowa. So uh, really thrilled to have Coach Thomas on this week, but before we get to him, of course, we need to talk about our founding sponsor, Cossack Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run drive here in Omaha. I tell you what, folks, I, I had some issues with my neck again, uh, and it was really, really tight. I was having some some pain going down my left arm. Went to Dr. Kevin twice last week, and I am feeling a million times better after that. Go see Dr. Kevin. Go see Dr. Heidi. Give him a call, 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Obviously, you're listening, you're on iTunes, so download, rate, review, give us five stars so that we can get the word out and gain momentum in the ratings so that we can help as many coaches as we can to hone their craft. Questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. Check out a penandanapkin.com, really good coaching website that I put together to help you out with a bunch of stuff. And if you'd be so kind, check out patreon.com backslash a pen and a napkin. So, Coach Thomas, enough with the capitalistic side of a pen and a napkin here how, how are you doing this uh, labor day weekend doing doing great thanks so much for having me on Marty. Uh, appreciate it appreciate it um you know we've been kind of hit and miss over the summer we've been kind of bouncing stuff back and forth and when you were available i wasn't and vice versa so i'm i'm really glad to have you on here coach uh looking forward to a good conversation this evening so um let's get uh Let's get started like we normally do on a pen and a napkin. Uh, just uh, give you the opportunity to tell us about your basketball journey, your coaching journey. Uh, and uh, a lot of people, uh, as opposed to uh, a lot of our high school coaches, uh, your your story is a little bit more well-known. But for those that don't know, uh, just fill them in a little bit and, and tell them about uh, the, the Thomas family coaching tree here. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, at a young age, I knew I wanted to coach. I grew up, you know, my dad was a coach, but he, he coached high school football um, at Parkersburg and then Appleton Parkersburg. And um, for me, at a young age, could see his passion um, for coaching and, and absolutely loved what he did. I was fortunate he was also an athletic director. Uh, so basically grew up at the school, uh, whether it be in the weight room, um, whether it was ac- activities during the winter, I'd go, come up after school as an elementary kid and I'd hang out in the gym during basketball practices as well and in sixth grade and seventh grade got to practice with the the high school teams mm-hmm. uh when it was just parkersburg um and, and kind of that's where i uh, kind of fell in love with 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 basketball um in high school was fortunate enough to to be able to start as a, a freshman and play for uh, coach bill dorn who had um won 72 games when it was just applington before mm-hmm. we merged um and unfortunately he passed of cancer uh, my junior year, and then longtime assistant Speed Lindbergh took over and had a, he's still one of my best friends. And uh, he coached us our junior year, and then due to job changes, he wasn't a teacher, had uh, Brian Boozman my senior year. So I had three coaches, but, you know, was able to play in, in three sub-state games, playing uh, two state tournaments, um, and, and had a lot of success in high school and just had the chance to play Mark Brothers AU basketball, played for Gary Ryma, the voice of the Panthers. Uh, mm-hmm. My first two years of high school, 
Um, back when club basketball and AU wasn't near what it is now, a little more, a um, little more then, exclusive back in the day. Yeah, there just wasn't near as many teams, and mm-hmm. you know, even in the summer, uh, high school. You know, when I was a, a kid or high school student, you know, our coaches only got ten days in Iowa contact, so we'd spend. Uh, we'd have a five-day camp, and then we go to you and I uh, for two team camps, and then um, you know, because you only got ten contact days. Um, and so it was a different ball game than what it is now, but, um, grew up as a little kid going to UNI basketball camp, which had a huge impact on me where I kind of really, um, fell in love with basketball. And then after, as I was nearing the end of high school, got recruited and had the opportunity to play at Drake university, um, there, you know, for four years, started a little bit my freshman year. We weren't very good at all. Um, then started as a sophomore, junior, uh, actually did not play much to start my senior year, uh, then due to ineligibility, um, of, you know, I think we had four guys become academically ineligible. Then I played all the minutes that I, <laughs> that I could. And, uh, we actually had some success. My, you know, we had not won a Valley row game until my senior year. Um, and we won back to back Valley games and, and had some success and, uh, really finished my college career kind of on a high note. Um, with that, the coach Canassi was my coach, uh, brilliant X's and O's basketball guy who shaped a lot of my X's and O's things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but honestly, the, the, the coaching standpoint, my, my dad was my, by far my biggest influence. And, and that was, um, you know, coaching football for him was always about, you know, we we're going to outwork everybody else. His attention to detail, um, watching him put together his scouting reports for Friday nights, watching how everything he did in practice was, was calculated down to the minute. Um, everybody's stretching spot was, was assigned. Um, when, when they went in conditioning groups, it was all assigned and that really had a huge impact, um, on me. But I, I think the biggest thing I learned from my dad is just how to motivate, um, young people, but, but the way he cared for them, the way he could create a team culture, the way they achieved, you know, he went, um, from 1981 until 2006, the, the, he won at least seven football games in a nine, nine game season. Mm-hmm. Um, from 91 to 04 or from, I'm sorry, 81 to 04. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that time, it was only four. eight games. A lot of that time it was only eight games. Right. Too. Eight, yeah. yeah. Eight or eight or nine tops, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, um, that I, I think just his uh, attention to detail, um, fundamentally, you know, part, part, whole teaching, um, is what I grew up watching. And then I, I use what I learned from coach Dorn, coach Lindbergh, um, with basketball as far as up-tempo, um, you know, shooting, doing those things. And then the X and no side, what I learned from Coach Kanaski at Drake, those guys really mold me. And then I'm kind of a hoops junkie. So I pick up a lot of things watching college basketball on television, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's you know, a, a quick hit or a set play, some actions, you know, things of that nature defensively. Even this last year watching TJ, uh, Coach Ott at Iowa State, you know, we at Christmas break, I didn't think we were guarding the way we needed to, and we, we adjusted a little bit. You know how Iowa State was so forcing baseline yep. um, and bringing that help side, so we made that adjustment. I think that made a big difference for us to become even better defensively because I, I didn't love where we were at with some of the athleticism we had, and so I think there's so many things you can learn um, by watching. You know college bat and then once college basketball is over that's the only time i watch pro basketball but it's like it's the only basketball on so we're gonna watch it um <laughs> but in some of those actions you know the picks and pick and roll and some of the things yeah. they do there um you know the spacing of the nba game is unreal yep um and so 
you know, just always trying to learn. You know, I love going to coaching clinics. Um, absolutely love going to those and, and, and love on Twitter. You can see so many two-minute segments and clips of, of basketball things that you can integrate. And, um, you, you know, for me, that's kind of it, – it's a hodgepodge. As, as most good coaches will tell you, there's very few things I've developed myself that I haven't borrowed or stole yeah. from elsewhere. And then you just make it fit your team. And, um, you know, the one thing I, I have learned is I, I think as, as coaches – you know, where we don't kick our players, per se, you do have to be willing to adjust and change. I don't think you always say, you know, if you got a six-foot-one post, you can't always, well, we're going to pound it inside if that doesn't fit your team or your philosophy. On the flip side, if you shoot a bunch of threes, but you got a couple of studs inside, they better get a touch mm-hmm. every trip. So every year is a little different. Um, but like I said, my biggest coaching, you know, without a doubt, was my dad won, uh, Coach Dorn and Coach Lindbergh, um, together and then coach can ask you those guys have really impacted uh, um, my philosophy I think on on just how I coach or how I've tried to build a program yeah um, you uh, you know your your community and obviously you're very close to your community and and your community has an amazing story uh, you know what's Applington is maybe 1500 right. people you know um, and uh your your dad was able to produce i think was it four nfl guys uh yep. that came from his yep. program and right uh you know so obviously that legacy of winning and in, and in iowa i mean you have ap uh back in the day you had like emmitsburg yeah western Moines dowling for the big yep. schools you know that type of thing so uh just great programs uh but then you know the last couple of years of your dad's life uh obviously a lot happened uh you had the f5 right. tornado hit town and uh, I, I love the story, and I know you've probably told it a million times, but I love the story of your your dad uh, making sure that you were going to play that season, or the, the school yeah. was going to play that season. For those yep. folks that have never heard that story, could you uh, could you tell them that one? Yeah, so, so you know, to, to your point, uh, we had four guys playing uh, pro football starting in 2005, and uh, for my dad, he, he was named National High School Coach of the Year, um, and so that kind of gave a national spotlight. We had the New York Times come to Parkersburg, write a piece, because, you know, we had the most pros per capita. Mm-hmm. I think between Parkersburg, Applington, and then a couple other birds, Kessley and Austinville, these real small, we got about maybe 3,000 residents. And so yeah. to have four NFL guys all playing at the same time, all having long, um, very um, successful careers. You know, we had Casey Wigman, who was an all-pro. I think he played 16 seasons in the NFL, had the record for the most consecutive snaps by an offensive lineman. Uh, his best years were with Kansas City Chiefs. We had yep. Brad Meester play his entire career with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think he played at least 12 seasons in the NFL. We had Aaron Campman was an all-pro with the Green Bay Packers, uh, finished his career at Jacksonville. And Jerry DeFries, I believe, played 10 seasons, all with the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of, you know, put, put Parkersburg a little on a map just for that. But then in 2008, to your point, uh, May 25th, 2008, our community was hit by an EF5 tornado. On that day, you know, we had seven people in the community lost their lives. About a third of our residents lost their homes. Our high school was destroyed. And, um, you know, how it works, the media shows up. And and my dad did a ton of interviews as a community leader. Um, And and our story kind of got out there. And, you know, it was about 100 days. And we we were scheduled to play our first home football game. And my dad worked tirelessly on that with the help of so many people. And being in the Midwest, you know, I've been fortunate to go – um, 
speak publicly, do some motivational things, some leadership things across our country and explain, you know, how a town of 2000, which is Parkersburg, we'd have 2000 volunteers show up for two straight weeks. You know, that wouldn't happen just anywhere. And I think that's the beauty of the Midwest still. Um, and the people that came Parkersburg to help so we could play football in a hundred days, uh, on our field. So homes could be rebuilt here. The high school they got started, our, our new high school is open 13 months later, which is unheard of. Wow. You know, not having a blueprint, not having anything, but we started school in this high school in 2009. Um, just, you know, 13, 14, no, I guess it would have been 14 months after the tornado. Um, so for all that to happen, and I think the rallying cry, uh, of the community, um, you know, and my dad kind of just, he was always that, his message was always the same. We're going to dust ourselves off. We're going to get ourselves up and we're going to move forward. Mm-hmm. And he wholeheartedly believed that he led by that example. Um, and then obviously, you know, my life, uh, majorly changed in, in our community hit with the tragedy when my father was, was murdered by a former player in the weight room on June 24th, 2009. Mm-hmm. So 13 months after the tornado with all that media stuff still going, uh, then to have, um, that happened in our high school, you know, the, the makeshift bus barn was our weight room for the summer. And, uh, 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 former player, Mark Becker came in and, um, shot my dad, I think eight times. Um, unfortunately in, 20, in front of 22 young people, um, you know, in 09, there was some school shootings, not near like there is now, but that was a national story. And yeah. then with that is kind of when I was thrust into a little bit of a spotlight, um, you, you know, I, I went to the hospital to see my dad. My brother was in Jamaica at a college roommate's wedding. Um, but as my mom and I were leaving the hospital, the DCI stopped us and just said they need a press release and a statement from our family because there was so much media already in Parkersburg. And, yeah. you know, I think back to being kind of in third grade, wanting to be just like my dad, I just asked mom and I just told her I'd go do the press conference. So that was kind of my start, I guess, um, and not really grasping what had happened. Mm-hmm. By any stretch, because nothing had saying, you know, we hadn't had a murder in Parkersburg since 1923 uh, pre- before my dad's murder. Yeah. Um, so, so never expect to be in something like that. But kind of that, um, you know, obviously things got ramped up. We ended up winning uh, the Arthur Ashe Award for Courage at the 2010 SB Awards and kind of getting our story out there. A book gets written about my dad, the Sacred Acre. You know, at the time, I was the head basketball coach at Union High School in mm-hmm. Laporte City, which is 50 miles from Parkersburg. Uh, I was kind of becoming my own coach, Thomas, there, you know, having kind of that same impact on people that I saw my dad have here. We just went to the state tournament for the first time in school history, and we're trying to get things rolling. Um, and and was, you know, asked by one of my dad's assistant, longtime coach here, Al Kearns, who kind of respect for, you know, he had to meet with school board and superintendent, and, and kind of his recommendation on how we move forward after my dad's death was if I come back and take my dad's job as the AD athletic director and, and so that position was offered my wife and i she being from parkersburg also decided it was probably best for our family to move back here be around mm-hmm. my mom uh try to maintain the legacy and the things that matter to my dad so mm-hmm. that's kind of how i ended up back in parkersburg um yeah. to coach and had the opportunity to coach basketball you know i helped a little bit with football mm-hmm. uh, but basketball has been my passion we had to do a little rebuild as parker ap basketball had fallen off since the uh, 99, you know, we, we had great success when we merged in 92, clear through 98, <laughs> excuse me, um, had a team go to the state tournament in 04, but, um, the 2000s weren't real good. And then we were able to kind of get it going 
and it took six years before we were able to get back to the state tournament 14 15 mm-hmm. and since that year we've we, we've made um i believe we've made um three turn three trips to the state tournament as as ap mm-hmm. since 14 15 so we've kind of got things going we've won you know averaging about 20 wins uh, per season in that time so proud of what we've been able to establish yep well obviously your your father's death is a uh you know tremendous tragedy and the way everything that i've read about the way you and your your brother and your mom handled the situation understanding the uh the mental illness side of things with uh the young man who took your father's life and so forth and so on and just that uh, that that belief in forgiveness uh, is is such a, a tremendous example to follow, uh, and within that tragedy, there was a you know there was some blessings that came out of it as well. Uh, you know, you you had the uh, the creation. Uh, Casey Wigman, as you mentioned earlier, uh, created the Ed Thomas Foundation. Uh, what what are some yeah. of the things that have happened through that particular foundation that have been positive changes in the community? Yeah, you know, my dad, his, his big thing was kind of faith, family, and football, and, and that was his order, uh, the way he lived his life. And, and Casey's big thing, he and John Jordan was a prominent, he played for my dad, a very successful business person in Texas. And uh, as they were waiting, you know, my dad's visitation was unbelievable, you know, 4,500 people from 1.30 that afternoon to 11.30 that night, and they were kind of stuck in line and, and just got talking, and, and they waited four hours to, to see us, and uh, pay their respects to my dad and you know they kind of had this idea what can we do to continue what coach stood for and coach's impact and so you know they had the idea to start the ed thomas family foundation and through that we now run ed thomas leadership academies as he was so big in developing young people mm-hmm. um, with COVID, unfortunately we haven't been able to do it the last three we're excited to have that again this october um the the, the last time we had it um we we sold out 500 seats in in five minutes wow um and, and so it's been a great thing. We, through the foundation, the fundraising, we only charge 10 bucks per person to come and they, and they get a shirt and they get a nice book and they, they hear some great speakers and hopefully then they go back and they impact and influence their communities. Um, and, and that's how my dad's legacy will continue. You know, as the kids, you know, that his death's further and further, kids aren't going to know his story, but if they can take something from that, that's, you know, and mm-hmm. we, we use some of that money to keep the field as my dad did as he ran a lot of offensive lineman camps and he used that money to pour back into the field. And so through the foundation, we're still making sure the he never once called it the sacred acre, but that's what his buddies would kind of give him a hard time. With. <laughs> and, you know, at Thomas Field, we, we make sure that thing's as pristine as it can be. Yep. Um, and that was something he took so much pride in. And I don't like to mow that much. Coach Pollock, <laughs> our football coach, does a great job keeping up on that. And our ag teacher, Jamie Putin's. Uh, who's a Carol Kemper grad? He kind of take over the <laughs> the agronomy side of things for us. And um, but you know we've been able to donation. We have a great church camp here just outside of Parkersburg, and we'd be able to really help with some facilities there. We we did scholarships for the the 22 young people who were in the weight room uh, that experienced my father's murder. We helped them kind of through college. Um, we've given away thousands of Bibles um, here uh, to Eldora's got the youth detention center and. and we provide them Bibles for all the young men who, who end up there. Um, and then some other just outreach things and and upgrades and, and facility things in town, whether it's a donation to the pool or uh, some pickleball courts. To, uh, you know, <clears throat> I think we did to the veterans. Um, just some, some different things to hopefully make an impact. My dad took so much pride in our community. 
Coach, I, I can't believe you wouldn't enjoy getting on that mower and just 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 riding around and letting it go. That that's that's Nirvana you know, I to like, me. I like mowing my yard, but that's about forty five minutes. And uh, <laughs> to, to do the field, you know, and he put so much water and fertilizer to mow it three times a week. I just didn't know, especially when my kids were younger. You know, now I could probably do it. But, sure, uh, that was his passion, not mine. I think I burned out as a little kid. We didn't have underground watering, so. My brother and I and my dad and sometimes even my mother got drugged into it. We'd have to go move these huge copper pipes from one half of the field to the other, oh. uh, the watering train prior to underground irrigation. So I think deep down that, that scarred me a little bit. And uh, <laughs> I think setting up all that football equipment and mowing football lines is why I coach basketball because that's blowing up, you know. Make sure you got a couple dozen basketballs blowing up and you're good to go. Hey, that, that, that childhood PTSD, I know uh, I get a little nervous every I, time I see some uh, – uh, shears to trim hedges because at, at my house uh, we, we had a we had a really big lawn with a couple of really yeah. big hedges and uh, yeah I, I still get the sweats a little bit when I see that in my dad's garage so, so I, I think that's why I coach hoops and not football <laughs> coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet as many of you know I spent two years outside of coaching and during that time I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said Strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. You know, one of the, Coach, I, I saw a great quote that you had, um, and, and I really, really liked it. I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about it. Uh, and, and obviously your life story and, again, what, what happened with the, those two major events, along with just regular life in general for the average human being. Uh, but you, you talked about handling adversity with integrity. And yep. uh, it, it's, a, it's a great teaching point that we can give to our players and our staffs and our programs. How did you, you know, how did you kind of land on that particular talking point and and how do you explain it? How do you teach it to, to, to people around you? Well, I just think, you know, that's another thing. For me, to be able to watch my dad for 13 months after that tornado, um, no idea how that was preparing me for my dad's death and being able to handle the adversity. You know, to watch him and my mom um, after the tornado, you know, their home destroyed, school destroyed where my dad worked, city hall where my mom worked. In essence, they kind of lost everything. Mm-hmm. And just to see how they dealt with that, and I'll never forget. One day, I was with my dad. It, 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 they were going to bulldoze the high school, and we were getting some of the things out of the high school. And a reporter from the Moines Register showed up to interview my dad. He took the time. He answered every single question. I'll never forget. I said, "Why do you keep doing all these interviews when we got so much stuff to get done?" And he said, "Aaron, anybody can lead when things are going well." He said, "True leadership." It's revealed when you're faced with adversity. And he said, my life has been so easy since I came to Parkersburg in 1975. He said, people will watch me with a microscope to see who I am now that I'm faced with something tough. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was a perfect thing for me to hear to prepare me, you know, for my dad's death. 
Um, and, and then, you know, I want to be able to pass that on to our young people. You know, we want them to be competitive. We don't, you know, when we lose games, we want them to bother them. But at the end of the day, that's not going to be the worst thing they ever go through in their life. You know, the whole point of sports, and I think the thing we're losing a little bit, as parents, we all so much want what's best for our kids. But the point is that athletics is, is honestly, how do we rebound from failure? Yeah. How do you handle losing? How do you handle maybe if I started now and not start? Can I be about something bigger than myself? And that's so lost in our society today. You know, hopefully as coaches, that's our number one goal is to impact our young people to be better people, you know, when we're done, be, when they've been coached by us. And that, you know, that, that when I started teaching and coaching, that was the other biggest takeaway I can remember from my dad. He said, two things, if you're going to do this, Aaron. He said, number one, if those young men aren't better people, after being coached by you, then you failed him as a coach. Nothing about winning and losing in that conversation. And he said, you know, sometimes there's going to be some kids who need your team more than your team needs them. Mm. You've got to find a way to keep them a part of it because it might be the most successful thing, the best thing they ever get to be a part of. Yeah. And, and to me, that's it. That's, that's why we should coach. And if we're doing it for ourselves or if we know our career records or, you know, that, then we're, we're missing the boat as the adult. Um, and, and I'm not going to say I'm perfect. You know, I'm ultra competitive. Uh, you know, I can, I probably yell at Russ more than I should. Sometimes I get on guys more than I should, but at the end of the day, I do know that, that everybody who plays for me, they know I care about them. Yep. Uh, and my hope is they know they have an important role and a piece in our program. And I also, they know that, I, that I'd always be there for them. Mm-hmm. And it's not what they can give to me. It's about what can I do to make them the best people they can be that hopefully when they look back, they appreciated their time playing basketball at Athlington Parkersburg, and they feel it's made them a better person. And if we do that, then to me that's success. I, I can't really judge success on coaching until, you know, five, ten years down the road when hopefully yeah. their husbands and, and leaders in our community and, and things of that, that to me is when we find out how successful we were. I, I heard a great quote one time, uh, somebody Asked uh, asked a guy, you know, do you do you think you uh, how do you know if you're gonna if you're a good father, and or how do you know if you will be a good father? And and the the gentleman said, I'll know when I watch my children discipline their own children, and if they do yeah. that well, then I've been a good father. And that's kind of that same vein that you're going down there, coach. Yeah, no, I, I think you know there's a lot to that without a doubt. Uh, um, that. Obviously, you you learned a lot from leadership, and you've and you've touched on numerous things already. Uh, the influence of your dad, the influence of your high school, other other coaches that you mentioned there, and and at a small school to achieve consistent success, you have to have a a, a deep culture within it uh, through and through. So you know, at AP and and within your program, uh, you know you know you're just churning out great groups of kids. And, and more than anything else, obviously, they're good athletes. But in order to be that successful, you have to have good leadership. You have to have a, a top-notch culture, and leadership is is taught. I firmly believe that. Uh, it, it's not something that you're just born with. You have to be taught it. So what are you doing as a as a basketball we'll start out with a basketball coach and then maybe if you know whatever you'd like to talk about coach your your role as an ad so forth and so on but just teaching leadership in your community in your program to to churn out consistent solid leaders year after year in in your school you know not only in your athletics but in your school as well yeah yeah and i'm actually transitioning i've been high school principal now for seven years so i think i can oh even hit that more, you know, uh, from, from whole students, not even just athletically, but, but 
the thing I've learned is I think in our society, we almost have to give kids permission to lead. Um, you know, they don't play, you know, unfortunately, adults now control and dictate everything. You know, I'm guessing when you're a kid, like when I was a kid, everything, you know, we'd play pickup baseball game every day in the summer. Yep, yep. Well, the, the, the phone started... You know, just, the, I'm sorry, the phone started yeah. ringing about noon, and we're going to meet here exactly. at 1 or one thirty, and here we go, you know, yep. You know, yeah, you know, for us, it was we were going to hit the pool, and after the pool, we were going to go play baseball for a little while, and um, before Little League that night, or, or in the fall, we got together and we played pick-up football games, and, you know, when we were a kid, you figured it out, you know, is it, are you safe, are you out, is it a strike, is it a ball, is it, you, that came from there, because parents weren't organizing it we weren't playing you know basketball was not always in a gym with officials with adults coaching yep and that was such a big area you know where leadership developed and you didn't realize it then but our kids don't have those opportunities near as much now as per se when we were kids where we it just kind of happened you know you kind of got the alpha male on the playground or whatever somebody always had the final say mm-hmm. you know somebody got the games organized now you know, we're scheduled, you know, every Tuesday, Thursday, there's Little League and or there's, you know, basketball leagues or there's football leagues or there's soccer leagues or and it's all adult driven. Yep. Where that kid, the kids are cheated that opportunity because there's an adult running it. And so now I, I think we got to give young people permission to lead. <laughs> you know, I spend a lot of time with whoever I think our leaders are on that team and, and talking to them, giving them the permission, hey. You know, it's going to mean a lot more if it's coming from you. If guys aren't working as hard, if we're not having a great practice, I need you guys to step up and say some things. It can't always be me to bring the energy. It can't yep. always be me to get people back on track. But yep. in our world today, I think we have to teach our young people how to do that to also give them permission. Yep. Because in, in the cell phone world today, they can't just send a Snapchat in the middle of a practice saying we got to be better. Yep. Like they're going to have to verbalize that. Yep. And sometimes they're not all comfortable hold, holding each other accountable. Mm-hmm. But your great teams, your special teams, I firmly believe the, the, the successful teams we've had here, they're connected beyond just practice or games. They'll do things together on their own. Um, they, they buy into to the full group. It's not just about them. Um, and they hold each other accountable by practicing hard. And when you get a little you know, skirmish or, or guys competing and maybe somebody doesn't like a hard foul or – a word here or there that's not the end of the world mm-hmm. um as long as they can leave it there and when we leave practice it stays there and then you move on because everybody knows we're trying to be the best we can be and we're trying to push each other um but I, but i think you got to spend time giving kids permission and then also modeling and explaining what that looks like to them in our world today mm-hmm. um you, you know i think that's important um we do things like having them write down you know i i preseason I like to ask especially the older guy you know which player impacted you the most when you were a younger player and then what did they do that that impacted you and then the challenge becomes well can you do that can you be this guy for somebody else um but you have to talk about those things you can't just assume that kids understand that are going to get that I don't think um and then you know we when we start practice we always have a thought of the day and a lot of times that's based on leadership and I'll ask a kid, what does that mean? And they explain it to their team teammates. And why is this a thought or a quote of the day? And, um, you know, so we're talking more than just sports at that time. Yeah. Um, cause it's, it's not necessarily a basketball quote. It's just a quote either on toughness or on life or on leadership. And 
and just have those conversations because I think we got to help pull kids along because it's not our world, not our society necessarily anymore. Yeah, I I really I really like what you said there. One of the things I tell my kids a lot is, you know, the more I talk, probably the yeah. less the 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 worse we're going to be. If I'm doing a bunch right. of talking, especially about culture or how hard we're working or this or that or the other right. thing, you know, that's that's probably not good for us, gang. That, that's not good at right. all, you know, and, and that's no, one I, of my I pet phrases that on. I use, so. I would say you're spot on with that one. Yeah. Um, how do you uh, how do you continue for, for a coach that's listening to this and they're like, yeah, I love what you're saying, guys. I, I love what you're doing. Or I, I love what you're talking about here, but I'm still tr- struggling to get it out of them. Uh, what are some some things that, that you've done to maybe, when you're in that situation, inevitably, especially at the high school level, we do this long enough, we're going to have that group where it's just like, man, it just yep. feels like it's a rudderless group. You know, So how can you, even if when you put in uh, that, that program, let's say, we'll call it the program, uh, what are some things that when it's not working that you can do to, to help try to make it better? Well, I think there you just have open, real conversations about it. You know, I, I think you got to let them know. Uh, you know, you talk to the whole group and you be transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, then it, maybe it is more modeling. Maybe it is more, you know, conversations with certain guys of, hey, I need this out of you. And I know it's not your personality, your comfort, or, or sometimes if the seniors aren't getting it done, maybe you got to go to that junior. Yeah. You know, or, or maybe even that sophomore. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and at times maybe it's, you know, whatever senior getting that senior to give that junior permission to lead. Yeah. Um, we've, we've had those conversations before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it is, it's a tricky thing, but I don't think as coaches we can just sit idly by and be okay with it. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it is our responsibility to figure out and to try and push every single button we can to figure out how can we make this team overachieve and be as successful as they can possibly be. Yeah, absolutely. If you are a coach in the Omaha Council Bluffs Lincoln area, be sure to sign up for the Metro Basketball Coaches Association Coaches Clinic Series to be held at DJ's Dugout at 114th and Dodge here in Omaha, Nebraska. The Omaha Metro Basketball Coaches Association has four clinic dates lined up. September 21st, September 28th, October 5th, and October 12th. And we'll have some of the best coaches, not only from our region, but nationwide. If you're interested in signing up for the Metro Basketball Coaches Association Coaching Clinic Series, send your registration and fee to MBCA, care of Tom Crable at Boystown High School, 122 Heroes Boulevard, Boystown, Nebraska, 68010. Registration fee is only $75 per coach on your coaching staff, and you won't regret signing up for the Metro Basketball Coaches Association Coaches Clinics. Coach, at this time, we usually go into, and, and well, not usually, we always do, and, and this week is no different. We're going to transition here, and when we transition, we go into our John Wooden quote of the day. Uh, so, uh, we, uh, I use the book, uh, Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations, and pull out a good quote uh, for, for each week. And so, um, are you ready, sir, for the, for the quote of the day? 
Sure, I, I'm big on quotes. What do you got today? All right, it's a little bit of a longer one, um, but but uh, feel free to comment it when comment on it, and I'll try to read it slowly so you can kind of digest the whole thing here, Aaron. Uh, but the John Wooden quote of the day from page 120 of Wooden: A Lifetime of Observations is: Experts base their opinions on the past, and if you try getting by on that, you're in trouble. Yesterday's gone; it'll never change. What you do today will determine what's going to happen tomorrow, not what you did yesterday. Well, that's good stuff there. I think just, you know, especially you get a team coming back that's been successful, mm-hmm. you know, not to rest on those laurels. Yeah. Um, but you better bring the work each and every day. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, told our guys this summer we didn't play great at, at one of our team camps and I just said just because we've been good the last couple of years does not mean we're going to be good this year you know and that's still the case like you gotta you gotta rent do every day and yep. you gotta pay that rent without a doubt and, and do that work and obviously such good things by coach Wood and you know you could I think that's an awesome thing you have a quote uh every podcast from him and um that that's a great one as I'm sure he had every one of them probably very good <laughs> uh we're you know we we try aaron we we really do i you know try to dig out the the first the first 100 were don meyer quotes of the day and and okay. so at 100 we switched from coach meyer to coach wooden and and so uh you know we've we've got a couple i'd like to think a couple of pretty smart guys uh that were kind of dipping yeah, into the well from there so that's a good call on your part. Yeah. Every once in a while, a blind squirrel finds a nut, you know? So, <laughs> uh, Coach, let's jump into your philosophy. Uh, let's talk about just some of the things that you do there at AP. Uh, I, you know, one of the things, I know you guys have scored a lot of points uh, over yep. the last few years. Let's talk about transition offense. Let's talk about getting out running. Uh, I think that's the the way the game was intended to be played. Uh, myself personally, and I know that you know there's a, there's a hundred ways to win at basketball, and and uh, but I'm a big fan of the transition game and scoring points and having it be an exciting product for folks to watch. Uh, so uh, so let's just let's just dive in there, uh, Coach Thomas. And and what we'll do here is I'm just going to kind of shut up and listen. And if I've got a question, I'll try to politely. Uh, interrupt you here and and add something or you know ask a question or add a little something to it and we'll just roll from there so uh tell tell us about what you guys do there for for transition L. yeah obviously you know our whole thing is to, to play play fast i think one of the biggest things is to throw the ball ahead do not dribble um you know we do different groups sometimes we have set spots you know this guy run right wing left wing dive down the middle sometimes it's just get it and go you know depending on our ball handlers but the biggest thing we really really spend a lot of time uh focusing on and even practicing is throwing the ball ahead because mm-hmm. um, it gets ahead so much faster than if you dribble it um we want to get that ball throw it ahead um and, and then to attack you know i not afraid to shoot threes in transition off penetrate pitch the ball you know to me that's a great avenue of getting it inside and out um, which and, and we've been very fortunate the way we shot the basketball. I think the last eight nine years, um, you know, last year as a team, I think we were thirty nine percent for three. Um, That's year lifting. Before we were year before we spent most of the year at over forty, went down to thirty nine. So that penetrating pitch inside out um, and, and shooting the ball in rhythm. But to me, to, to play fast in transition really comes down to making sure that we're throwing it ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, our wings have got to run wide. They got to be looking for the ball. And then if we can get a post guy, you know, diving or running the floor, 
that also helps. But to do that, it, you know, I believe we got to limit teams to one shot. Um, you know, it starts with a defensive rebound or a quick outlet, and then we want to push the ball. Um, you know, I try to have my guys play with a lot of confidence if they got a good look. Now, obviously, if we're 15 seconds, then we got to understand, you know, maybe to hold for one. But yeah. it's rare for us to do that. You know, I'm not holding the ball for the last minute of a quarter. Um, I, I feel fortunate. You know, one of my college roommate, great friend of mine, Justin Ole, you know, coached at Waukee his last year. They won the state title with Omaha Blue and Peyton Sanford and yep. Tucker DeFreeze and Price Sanford. And I'd see those, you know, CIML scores of 50 to 40. I'm like, how can you only score? What is going on? <laughs> You know, you got to be best players, you know, best athletes in, in Iowa. And, and I think our, our whole conference, you know, we're fortunate. Our, our, a lot of our guys, we play fast. Uh-huh. A lot of our schools, and if you come watch, they're entertaining. And, and our communities come out and support. But for us, uh, spend a lot of time shooting the basketball in practice. And that's so changed since when I was a young coach first starting. Uh, we spent so much time on defense. What I learned my kind of first couple of years but as a union, we were really good defensively, but we'd lose 47 to 51 because we couldn't make shots. Yep. And then uh, Coach Marty McCowan, who's a great coach, Wapsie Valley uh, Hall of Famer, um, you know, is kind of a mentor and a great friend of mine. And, and when I was young, talked to him. He talked just about how much they shot in practice. That made sense. You know, I, I had to stop assuming kids were necessarily shooting on their own. Yep. Um, you know, coming in the gym early in the morning or staying later because sometimes the gym's not available, whatever. And so we've changed our philosophy. We do a lot of shooting drills in practice mm-hmm. and try to make them as game-like as we can. We, every day we form shoot. Um, and thus, I think, you know, that's how you can score more points. When you got guys who can shoot the basketball, um, shoot a higher percentage, the number of points you're going to score, you do that, and you play with some pace, some tempo. You know, we've pressed quite a bit in the past, um, which forces teams to make a decision. Mm-hmm. If they want to play so, they're going to let us get free traps and aggressive if they want pull that thing out and they're not taking advantage of, of when, you know, it might be a three on two. Are they going to attack us and try to get a shot? Or are they going to pull the ball back out? Cause we'll keep trapping you on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are, you know, some of the things that we do, but a, a lot of times throwing the ball ahead. Um, a lot of time we, we spend a lot of time working our passing to get the good shots. Cause I think so many shots are missed due to poor passes. Yep. Now you think about a bad pass. If I'm catching one and I got to bring the ball back, or if it's down on my knees and then I'm trying to go into a jump shot, but you get a pass that's in rhythm, especially inside out, where you're squared up, yep. uh, going towards the basket, you're going to shoot such a higher percentage, thus you're going to score more points. If if my girls had a nickel for every time they heard me say on time, on target, uh, I, yeah. I, 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 w- I wouldn't be able, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to retire for a while anyway, Aaron, but <laughs> it would take even longer then. So. Right. Um, well, nope. On, on your, just such an important skill. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, I I read a, an analytics book. I actually did a, a, a podcast on that book, and I forget the name of it. But it was it was breaking down just you know a lot of math when it came to basketball. And we spend so much time shooting, we spend so much time ball handling, and not to say that those two things aren't important, but approximately seventy percent of the time a player touches the ball, they're passing it. But we don't teach yep. and emphasize passing very much and boy that that hit me like a ton of bricks i mean you could have knocked me over with a feather yeah. when i read that i'm like well that i am i am an idiot i i never <laughs> knew or realized the math on that i mean you always think you know passing is important but you know to 
that's a quick way you can cut down on turnovers is just by teaching good right. cuts and good passing and hitting players on time on target. If you do that, you're going to cut your turnovers down pretty drastically pretty quickly. And that was the other key. You know, we, we, we led the state in scoring for most of the last two years. And with that, I think this past year, we only averaged 11 turnovers mm-hmm. um, a, a game. And, and again, there's a everyday focus on, to your point, passing. Um, and just such a skill that sometimes gets taken for granted that's so important to make shots and not turn the ball over to get just more opportunities, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Are you are you doing you know with with playing at that pace and scoring a lot but not turning the ball over? I mean, you got the magic sauce there, Coach Thomas. I mean, how are how are you? Uh, is is it a bunch of drill breakdown or is it a lot of five on five? But that but that thought is always there. Uh, how are you guys teaching that to where you're playing at that play, pace but taking care of the ball? Yeah, I think everything we do. You know, we spend a lot of time working transition, you know, both offensively and defensively, you know, I'm big into like break buildup. So it's a three on two back to, to four on three, then five on four, then five on five, you know, or when we go sets, we'll run a set play, make or miss. We're converting down, back down. Then we stop reset into a set. So we're always, you know, playing in that transition. We're always barking, throw the ball ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we're, we're t- trying to take what we do, in practice, make it game-like. We don't just, per se, scrimmage. Uh-huh. Very rarely do I just put, like, five minutes on the clock and just run back and forth, up and down. We yep. rarely, rarely do that. Yeah. We do passing drills every single day in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's five-man weave, you know, then three-on-two back. Whether it's just five-man weave where they got to get a turn so they're passing and everybody gets a touch way up to the other end. To, uh, you know, I, we call it 11 man break, which is continuous three on two, whatever yep. you want to call it. Yep. Um, you know, things where we're going up and down, playing fast pass in the basketball. Um, that we, we do at least 20 minutes of that. And we start every practice with just four corner passing. So mm-hmm. we got one ball. Um, we're, we're, we got to try to make over 100 passes and catches in less than a minute. And that's something that Coach Dorn, we did every single day with him, um, you know, from our warm up to the, box drill that Don Showalter in USA Basketball just dribble out, three hard dribbles, jump stop, reverse pivot, two-hand pass, back to your next guy in line, and away you go. But passing and catching, um, you got to practice it. you got to play with pace. You can't say we're going to play fast and not practice fast, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a really good question. Oh, on your, on your uh, transition, like off of makes, off of misses, are you an assigned lane runner, or do you have a designated kid that's getting it out? Uh, yeah. Do, do you do you have something set up in that regard, or are you just like, makes if if you're a big, go down the middle. If you're a little, get out wide and, and let's play ball. Yeah, it very honestly it varies year to year. On uh-huh. basically, I got guys who are allowed to bring it, and guys who are that are not allowed to to bring it, and and we played with a lot more guards. Um, you know, usually I got about four guys in the game that have the green light that if they get the rebound, let's go. And then the other guys got to get out ahead of them and run so we can throw the ball ahead. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the, the ultimate goal. Uh, we have not assigned, um, you know, I usually do assign who's taking the basketball out. Um, but outside of that, then the other guys are, are sprinting and they got to have their heads up and communicate mm-hmm. on, you know, if I'm right lane and the other guy better be figuring out, he better get left the inbounders trailing 
and you know maybe our five diving. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, usually we have our four man. I like a guy who can trail that can shoot it well, where we can throw it back to them if, if they're sinking, worried about our, our big man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so for us, not the only thing that's truly assigned. You know, on a make on a made basket, we, we will usually have one guy assigned to, to take it out, one guy assigned to get it, and then two guys assigned to run. Mm-hmm. But I rarely give them, you got to be right wing, you got to be left. Now, if we're struggling it, we have had years, I said, you're right, you're left, because we're not getting, you know, they're both get a little lazy bulk into the same side that does us no good yeah um with with that you know you're talking about shooting and getting shots up how how were you able to dramatically increase the number of shots that you got up each practice because i know when when i got back into coaching that was a big thing for me we we want our goal and, and we don't always reach it but the goal is 250 shots per kid per practice if we can yeah, get that from the time really they step good. in the if we, if we can get that from the time they step in the door uh, and we're talking a regular practice you know if, if we're at yes. a you know an hour shoot around the day before a game obviously we're not going to get 250 right. up but we're still going to get a lot of shots up you know so how have yeah. how have you how did you adjust your practice plan and philosophy to to build in more shooting for your kids yes yeah that's you know we're we're going to take a minimum of bare minimum 15 usually much closer to 20 minutes a day where we're shooting mm-hmm. you know whether it's um you know three guys at a bat we do a lot of three guys at a basket uh two basketballs and one guy's either going around the arc or um we're get your own rebound kicking it out move whatever but we'll spend at least 15 to 20 minutes each and every day with three guys in a group or three guys at a basket you know, off some some on our side hoops, we got two groups of three, whatever. We're just getting up shots, you know, where they're from during our position breakdown, where our guards, we, we, we shoot more specific shots to where where they're comfortable. We form shoot every single day. We'll take five minutes. That is nothing. We're starting right in front of the rim every day, seven shots, and rotate. And then we're working, you know, each block back, straight line. We want to make sure we're not messing left or right before we go into some of our other shooting drills. Mm-hmm. And so we're spending a good 25 minutes a day counting the form shooting minimum, uh, getting shots up. Uh A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece, with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. You know, obviously in a smaller community, uh, you, you had mentioned Des Moines, and you know I, I live in Omaha and coached in Omaha for a long time, and and sometimes you don't need to have a great youth program in order to have a great high school program, just because you have open enrollment and and kids moving around. But in a smaller community, that that youth program is such a key to your success on down the line. Uh, you know, and and you've had proven success you're obviously we've talked about your dad a lot on this program and that came from youth development i'm sure as well uh but what are you doing basketball wise in your community to to get kids into ap basketball and 
developing their skill set, but like we had kind of talked about a little bit earlier, still keeping that fun, that joy, that youthful exuberance in the program and, and having them reach their crescendo as juniors and seniors. Yeah, I, I think just being in, in, involved with our youth program, you know, I meet with all our youth coaches and then we set the schedule. So our, <clears throat> for sure, our, our sixth, fifth, and fourth grades, they practice twice a week. And, and uh, you know, then we get our third grades going usually about one time a week. And, and then we do probably four or five practices with our second grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with each coach, I just kind of kind of booklet, you know, at this level, here's kind of what I want. The, the focus to be for you know our third grade fourth grade fifth you know so it, it builds up and then i have unbelievable junior high coaches that, that they're doing everything we do at the high school level and and our terminology is the same for me all the way down you know to our second graders they're learning plant step shoot that verbiage yep. um we're talking you know ball handling you know the things that are important they're doing and been so fortunate to just have great youth coaches and you know, for me, when my kids were young, it was easy. Yeah. I was their coach, you know, <laughs> for, yeah. for now that my youngest is a freshman. And that's the one thing I've even told my wife is, hey, make sure I keep going to the youth practice. Even if it's 15 minutes, you know, yep. once a week where I get in to see every group and know those kids by name and, you know, just cheer them on or, yep. you know, see some things and talk to the youth coaches and, hey, let's try this drill. You know, even if I go up and do one new drill, with the kids, just to see them, to keep that excitement. I think one of the best things we do is with all our younger teams, we we focus uh, or highlight one of our teams. They each get at night, so they'll play at halftime in the girls' and boys' game. They, they come in the locker room with us for pregame, and they're in our starting lineup tunnel um, for that. So they, they envision themselves out there, and our guys are such great role models. Um, but those young kids feel a part of our program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then – you know, seeing them play at the little kids tournaments, you know, we host two tournaments. So I make sure when they're going, I cheer them on. I usually try to coach our junior high, um, and, and one tournament a, a year just to be around them so it's for them to see me. Um, but being connected and, and, and just so they know that they matter. So they, I, I know their names. I, I see their skill. And, you know, a lot of those guys come to the summer camp that we have. And, um, and that I think, me and again that was something i watched my dad had an unbelievable flag football program here at ap and just the importance of having your hand on what's going on at the lower levels so it doesn't become all about winning and just set plays and but developing the skill set where we'll you know because if you just get a kid in high school yeah. um it's it's too late i'm not going to make them a great basketball player by yep. the time they're freshmen if they have a ton of bad habits mm-hmm. so i better be involved on the, the entire process and you know when I was at Union and at AP, it's crazy, but my career record, those six, first six years were almost identical. And on the sixth year at Union, the sixth year at AP, both were major rebuilding projects. Uh, we went to the state tournament. Yeah. Um, so something I'm proud of, but it took those, you know, sixth graders, those younger guys that, that I was able to, to work with or, or, you know, to help mold and, and build that excitement by the time they – we're seniors, we were able to have that success and get to Des Moines. You were, you were talking about the terminology and running the drills. Uh, how uh, was there some growing pains with that? Did you have a, a, a coach or two say, ah, you know, that's great, Coach Thomas, but 
my my high school coach ran the flex or we did this or whatever and so I'd like to do this with this group because winning this fifth grade game is going to be the most yeah. important thing in these kids' life you know that type yeah. of a thing uh you know did you have that if you had that how did you handle it I've not had a lot you know I, I do let our coach you know every set play doesn't have to be one of ours I give them you know kind of my suggestions and and but you know also I'm thankful for those dads to take their time to do that but yep. we do spend a lot of time talking that that it's their biggest job is to keep every kid out and move them to the next grade level yeah and then it'll be my problem to sort out you know who's going to play when they get to me but you know i'm not real into running off and just taking eight kids you know my my oldest son i think when when he first started we had 24 25 of those kids that we'd lugged at different tournaments and, and honestly i'm a big proponent just trying to find some schools to scrimmage yep um and, and especially at the younger ages um and then we could get some things done play you know different skill set kids against each other and didn't even always turn on the scoreboard um but just an opportunity to play and then you know have been fortunate some of our better guys end up playing some some au where they play longer you know they'll do some travel ball in the spring and that sometimes it's all of our guys or some of our guys mixed with some other local kids in the conference or and we've been fortunate some of our guys have played on the biggest AU stages yep um you know so so our kids like it and, and those who maybe have a little more skill we try to find those opportunities for them to, to play maybe at a higher level or to play um beyond you know February you get to February some of those guys are ready to be done and I'm fine with that yep like we don't need to kill and burn anybody out in fourth and fifth sixth grade yep or even junior high yep but for some of those guys who are passionate about it really enjoy it you know, try to help find or help create those opportunities for them to play maybe all spring and, and a little bit in the summer for our high school guys. You know, obviously in June, we had a lot of team camps for just our high school guys. But And then in July, we've been fortunate to have some guys playing some AAU, mm-hmm. which definitely hasn't hurt. But uh, like I said, I've been very blessed with, with great youth coaches that have bought in, that, that want to prepare you and I think it's helped now that we've had success that, that I think they understand that the formula that we've used and the things we've done has worked has paid off and also I'm very proud of the fact you know we have uh, 125 boys in the school and last year we had 49 out for basketball wow that's a great um, percentage so so I think our kids know they're valued we try to find games and you know one of the things I say I think it's harder for the parents honestly than the kids we will find opportunities for your kids to play. Please do not get caught up in the level. Yeah. If they like to play basketball, we're going to find them an opportunity. Whether it's a varsity reserve game, we have what we call the Falcon Squad, and this is some guys that you know most schools they probably sit on a stage or in a bleacher and get in a couple drills and rarely get to scrimmage. But you know we go out and we find six, eight games for some guys to play um, reserve games or whatever it might be because. They work hard every day in practice. They like to play, and to me, that's what it's about. Um, and as long as they don't get caught up in what level. Now I want everybody to have aspirations to be a fresh soft starter, to be a JV starter, be a varsity starter. But with 49, you know, you have three, four levels. We're looking at 20 guys out of those 49 that can start. Yeah. Um, and that's a maximum. But yep. still being a part of the team, knowing you provide value, knowing you're going to have the opportunity to compete. Some... Um, you know, I think we owe it to those kids to try to find some opportunities. At what age group or age level do you start splitting kids into A-B squads? Um, 
you know, we with our youth, it, it varies on the class and how big the group is, but sometimes we'll do some different things. Um, you know, maybe one group will go to a – what I tell our coaches is, you know, our youth, we, we never have – you know, they always – everybody practices together. Mm-hmm. When we get to junior high, now we do go to A to B. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I say junior high is the first time that fully happens. Yep. Um, a lot of times with the fifth and sixth graders, you, you may – we may – have groups play together. I know, for instance, we have a big sixth grade group this year, and my brother coaches that, and they intermix evenly for, I'd say, three-fourths of the tournaments. And then they did do a couple tournaments where maybe they took their top guys, and then their second group went to another tournament. Yep. We just try to find the right level of competition yep. um, for people to play. Um, but, again, some of that varies on numbers. We have a small seventh grade group, but they're extremely talented. So I think the most they've ever had, you know, I think there's 42 kids in the class, which is our smallest class in the district by far, but they got some guys who can really play and they have 11. So they kind of stay together, yep. but depending on the level and those coaches do a good job on games where we get ahead, those other, you know, maybe they're not as talented guys are going to play more or, or mixing it up. So you got some good, you know, some of your top kids with some of your lower kids. Um, and what I talked to them about is making sure we're not subbing your, your top five and then, putting in maybe your bottom five where they're not we're putting them in position to fail yeah um, we really don't want to do that and and like i said our youth coaches have been been very good at that you know i'm sure not every parent's completely happy whatever um but the numbers yeah. reflected what we're doing kids enjoy it enough to stay with it uh, if you want to make everybody happy go sell ice cream you know go sell ice cream <laughs> even that i'm not convinced in our world today, that <laughs> is this gluten-free ice cream uh <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um what uh, what are you uh, what are you charging for your youth program? None, nothing. Nothing. No. Okay. How do you, how do you manage that? Yeah, you host a couple well, of tournaments and put it back into it, or or what do you do there? Yeah, we, we, we do that, and then um, you know, as far as you know, the, the the they do. I shouldn't say nothing, but like, so if you go play in a tournament, the coaches just figure out what the fee is. They divide it up. Okay. Uh, and then everybody kind of pays, but um, you know, I have reversible jerseys. They're far from fancy. Mm-hmm. Um. They're, they're as simple as they can get, but we get those. And we bought those from, from, you know, our summer basketball camp. I went when I need to wait up those. So they're a simple, far from fancy. You know, we're not going to win any uniform coolness factors, but we got those. And then the coaches divide that up. We will do run a youth tournament where we host two of them where, um, you know, pay for those entries for our, 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 our teams um, and, and try to make it, you know, our youth coaches do a good job. I'm certain they lose some of their money because mm-hmm. no kid's not going if they, they can't pay. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's myself or those coaches, we're going to make sure the kids have the opportunity to go out and compete. But, yeah, we do try to host a tournament, too, that, you know, that does come back to the basketball program. Yeah. Coach Thomas, I really appreciate your time. I'm glad we finally got to hook up after yeah. dancing around each other for the last three or four months. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on and, and, and always enjoy talking hoops and, and can't thank you enough. I appreciate it, man. Uh, any social media, if they want to check out uh, Applington Parkersburg Athletics or your program, any any way they can follow you after uh, listening to this here? Yeah, you know, for, for me personally, you know, Twitter's kind of my format of, of choice, I guess you'd say, and that's Aaron W. Thomas uh, is that. And then... Uh, you know, if you Google search Appleton Parkersburg, we get a lot of things on there. Our APHS Boys Hoops is our basketball one specifically. Um, but that's, 
that's uh you know kind of kind of where where i'm at with that perfect perfect uh Again, Coach, really appreciate you coming on. I hope you've enjoyed your time. It's been a great conversation. A lot of good stuff that came out of it. Yeah, thanks so much again for yeah, having uh, me on. and appreciate what you're doing to promote basketball. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, hold the line here just a second as I wrap up yep. a couple of things here. Again, Aaron Thomas, uh, head boys basketball coach at Applington Parkersburg High School in northeastern Iowa. I uh, want to thank him for coming on here this week. I also, you know, of course, we want to thank COSAC Chiropractic, uh, our founding sponsor. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin, for daily coaching tidbits. Download, rate, review this podcast. Give us five stars. We had an unbelievable August. Uh, far and away, blew away the number of downloads that we've had. And I just can't thank the listeners enough for, for that. Any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Check out a pen and a napkin.com. Great website. I think it's great. I designed it. I'm a little biased, but that's just the way it is. Uh, and then, of course, uh, patreon.com backslash a pen and a napkin. If you could check that out, that would be awesome. Uh, again, thanks so much to Aaron Thomas for coming on the podcast this week. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time. <laughs>